Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's episode of SFFBI is sponsored in part by TBR, Book Riot subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new science fiction and fantasy books to read, but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. And TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 82, and we're recording on June 26th. And I'm Sharifa Williams, here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Today we are continuing our happy, happy joy, joy about upcoming, <laughs> upcoming SFF, talking about our most anticipated series books of the second half of 2020. Very exciting. But before we get into all of that, please tell us more about yourself and potentially win an e-reader. This is a great opportunity if you want an e-reader which I'm sure you do. We're doing a reader survey. It'll only take a few minutes and you can see the questions and giveaway details at bookriot.com slash 2020 survey. I'm very excited about all of the anticipated Me books. Too. Excited and overwhelmed as I think we probably mentioned <laughs> in our last episode about upcoming books. There's just so many. Yeah. There's so many. And you know what I discovered? I'm going to be cheating a little bit later on in this episode because it turns out my series are super unbalanced in a certain Interesting. <laughs> so I'm going to be cheating. That's sorry, fine. Sorry. But there is. There's so much good stuff coming down the pipe. It's very yeah. exciting. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Uh, before we get into our news section, let me tell you about a sponsor it is Scarlet Odyssey by C.T. Ruizzi. And this is about an 18-year-old named Salo who has never been good at conforming to his tribe's expectations. He prefers books and magic to the typical tools of a warrior. But when his village is attacked by a cruel enchantress, Salo knows it's his time to be a hero. He's joined by three fellow outcasts and embarks on an epic quest to gather information on a growing threat to his tribe and to defeat the enchantress who attacked his village. And I personally always love a bookish hero who's like mm -hmm. not so great at the physical slash weapony side of things because I mean I can't imagine why that would be like <laughs> 
can't imagine why I would have a soft spot for that. Why would that be? Uh, but yeah, this sounds really enjoyable. I'm definitely excited to learn more about it and to maybe pick it up. And if that's true for you too, again, that's Scarlet Odyssey by C.T. And I, for one, am going to put Cruel Enchantress on my business cards. <laughs> oh my goodness i i know it's such a great phrase <laughs> i was just like when do we get the prequel yeah. about the cruel enchantress <laughs> like i'll take Me all too. of those absolutely <laughs> oh all right so getting into our news section before we get started with specific news stories i just wanted to say quickly that we are aware of the allegations of various types of misconduct going around in the SFF world right now. There are a lot of them, and there are many that are very disturbing and upsetting and, you know, very confusing. Um, and we're not going to be covering them on the show. We're going to continue to do what we've always done, which is to try to cover authors that we feel comfortable promoting and, you know, keep an eye out so that we are always learning and uh, and making sure that we continue to be comfortable with promoting certain authors. So, so that's our story. There's lots of other resources out there for you if you would like to keep track um, and remember to take breaks yes. and hydrate and you know step away from your screens every now and then we all need a break sometime uh, okay Sharifa what news story do you want to talk about uh, let me let's go into amusement park land <laughs> this oh, is yes. an interesting one and at first I was like oh this is just a general news story and I was like no this is definitely in the SFF world because it deals with fairy tale and folktale and lots of problematic things happening with Disney. <laughs> and I think that that's probably going to come as no surprise to anybody who follows anything about Disney. I'm a huge, like, mm. I used to go to Disneyland all the time because I I lived in Southern California before. And... I loved it there, but also recognized that there were some problematic elements um, throughout their history and in present day, including Splash Mountain, which mm. you may know is a ride at Disneyland that has a certain theme that is, I, I'm pretty sure it's kind of unspoken well, maybe not actually, judging from the video they show on the screen when you used to be in line, that it's based on or inspired by a cartoon from Disney that was called Song of the South, which was criticized all around for racist imagery and stereotyping and all sorts of bad stuff. It takes place in the Reconstruction era in the South, and it uses, like, Uncle Remus folk tales and stories to create this cartoon that is just like just don't watch it is what I'm gonna say and they're not bringing Disney yeah. it did announce before yeah. that they're not bringing Song of the South to Disney plus there are lots of like cl classic Disney animation available on Disney plus but that's one they said they were not going to include because of the imagery and I know that they do have disclaimers on some of their older cartoons about um, depictions that are stereotyping certain marginalized communities. So all of this said, now Disney has announced that they are changing the theme of Splash Mountain to step away from the Song of the South 
themes and imagery and they're going to turn it into the princess and the frog ride and it sounds like they're not calling it the princess and the frog ride i think it's still called splash mountain but they're blending princess and the frog themes into all of the what is it called the new orleans themed part of town and splash mountain yeah. as well which i was kind of surprised that they didn't do this earlier because it's so it seems so obvious to me Mm. But whatever, they are just deciding to do this now. And it was interesting because, of course, you see one article and it very blatantly talks about the fact that Splash Mountain was based on this really problematic cartoon. And then you look at, like, the Disney blog and press releases and it does not mention any of that stuff. It definitely focuses on celebrating the fact that they are going to bring Tiana and all the cast of The Princess and the Frog to Disneyland, which is unsurprising, you know, publicists and all that stuff. But it's interesting. I am hesitant to applaud them for this because it took this much. There are all sorts of conversations going around and all sorts of criticisms. And I feel like they knew they were going to be in trouble and they're responding to it in this way. So I'm not like, wow, good job, Disney. But I'm <laughs> glad they're changing that ride. And as people have been talking about, there are all sorts of other ways they could really improve on that level. But I was really happy to see, I will say, some of the people who are going to be involved because they do have two black women involved and you know of course Annika Noni Rose one of my favorite audiobook narrators and also of course a Broadway star and the voice of Tiana chimed in to say how excited she was about this so I do I want to celebrate this while also being critical of Disney for their past and how long it took them to get around to doing these yeah you don't get cookies for doing something you should have done like yeah. 10 years ago but <laughs> It is good that they're finally doing it. Yeah, so I'll be happy to see that uh, if ever I go to Disneyland. Definitely not during times of pandemic, but... Yeah. But yeah, so expect to see that at some point, a, a change at Disneyland if you're a regular amusement park goer. Fun. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully fun. <laughs> <laughs> we hope. Uh, I am excited about... This is sort of a miniature news story but they have so so many things have been put on hold production wise um, adaptations including the wheel mm -hmm. of time right which i have been very vocally excited about the cast before on this show and other places it has seemed very inclusive and interesting they're making interesting choices they just recently announced six more actors uh, for the cast, which is exciting because it's a lot of, you know, supporting characters who aren't necessarily major players, but are important pieces to the major players' backstory. And again, this is very inclusive casting. I continue to be excited. Um, they've cast Egwene's parents. 
They've cast Matt's parents and a couple of other Emonsfield villagers. And I will link to the tour.com piece that rounds up all their names and pictures and whatnot. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, they are filming in Prague. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but they, uh, and which theoretically, they are allowed to start filming again as of May, but the show has not resumed production yet. So I'm assuming they're still getting all of their safety ducks in a row, which is good. Like, I'd rather them take their time and people stay healthy than, you know, rush to get things filming and then have issues along the way. And we are not sure, you know, the tentative release date, how this will affect anything. But I did, I did want, I was thinking about the casting and how exciting it is. And then I was thinking about the books because, you know, as, as any reader of the whole series will know because it is such a global in that secondary world way story there is a lot of cultural Mm. appropriation you know Robert Jordan drew from a lot of other civilizations and cultures to create some of the the societies and places and it's it's a little bit cringy you know as you might imagine uh sometimes a lot cringy and i i i'm like excited about the inclusive casting and also hopeful that they're that they're not just like throwing darts at a dartboard like that they have a plan a thoughtful like well considered plan on how they're going to hopefully you know unappropriate some of those cultural markers or how they could make it so that um, there's more ownership and more, you know, I don't even know like what the words I'm trying to say are, but I hope that they're thoughtful about how they're going to represent some of the various cultures in the books. Because yeah, there are there are problems in the original text that could be, you know, ameliorated in interesting ways if they're thoughtful about it. Or it could just turn into like, well, we cast diverse actors, so that's like all we have to do, right? Like we don't have to think about these other things. So I'm hoping that that's not what they're doing. But you know, TBD, we'll see. So far, it seems like they're off to a good yeah. start. There are all sorts of I mean, hopefully there are now all sorts of creative ways they can really approach this. And I think yeah. that people are a lot more aware. So I think it, it's it's fine to be hopeful about that. And also yet another yeah. thing that makes me want to go to Prague. <sighs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sticking to the world of film with my next story, which is in the realm of AI is coming for us all. There is a... <laughs> there's a, a new movie coming Sorry. out i'm like totally with my tinfoil hat on over here yeah. <laughs> i'll get okay, okay. <laughs> there's a a, a pretty oh. big judging from the amount of money spent although whenever i look at the amount of money spent on movies these days i'm like maybe that's just a big number to me there's a 70 million dollar sci-fi film coming to theaters near you where there is an AI robot actually cast as one of the lead characters in the movie. And I was trying to remember if there had ever been another instance of this where it was specifically, it's not just like an actor who is who has CG put on them or whatever. This is actually not based on any sort of human, it sounds like. It is a completely... I don't know what you call it, cyber created AI or digital AI. And 
it's interesting because the way this article about it is framed is that, you know, the entertainment industry is dealing with COVID-19 and as you mentioned with the Wheel of Time, trying to figure out film filming times for pandemic that are safe and situations that are safe. I don't know if necessarily that was taken into consideration here because I can't really tell how long ago this was uh, put into the works, but this AI was created a while back and actually was attached to a different project before the creators parted ways due to scheduling stuff. But this is going to be happening and it is, the movie is called B and it's following a scientist who discovers some dangers associated with this program he created to perfect human DNA and then he helps this artificially intelligent woman he designed the character's name and the, I guess the AI actress's name is Erica, helps her escape. So it's really interesting. The story was created by the person who created Erica as well as some others on his team. This is a visual visual effects supervisor, Eric Pham. I, <laughs> I was kind of like, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin taking apart the, the weirdness of this. But also, I mean, we talked a little bit about this before when I believe there were some Instagram influencers that were completely digital. Mm-hmm. And I feel similarly wary about a team of, it looks like men coming together to create a damsel in distress sort of like to create an AI and set her in a damsel in distress style story now I only have one paragraph describing this story so I may be completely off base here but there's some weirdness and definite weariness in me when I read about this in terms of you know as sci-fi readers we are constantly wondering well what if there was AI and what would that look like and how would that reflect on our society and civilization and the ways we view our fellow human beings? Like these are all things we think about presumably when we're reading science fiction. So when you come across a story like this where it's actually becoming a real thing, it it prompts the same questions in me that make me wonder in a lot of ways about how well, this is going to be done and what I should think about what it means for us as a society and how the fact that an actor is going to come in to play the scientist, it sounds like, but then they cast the woman character as this AI. And I don't know where I land there. I'm just wondering aloud. Yeah, so two things. I googled up some numbers and uh, for context, so this project is 70 million. And for context, Ad Astra cost 80 million mm. to make. And Avengers Endgame cost 356 <laughs> million to make. So like, that's a range. That's a big range. Like, obviously, something like Avengers Endgame is going to get a much mm-hmm. bigger budget. Then, but even like you know, Ad Astra was not a small production. So, and like ten million, I like is that a rounding error in film? Who knows? But anyway, we're in the ballpark of a big, yeah. So, uh, that's I think that's useful context. And yes, I you know, Sharifa, it's so true that the gender dynamics 
involved in how we think about artificial intelligence and robotics are yeah. super weird. Like I once gave a talk on female robots. And so this is something I've thought a lot about. And it is. It's super fraught because it's so easy, especially in tech, which is still very mm -hmm. male dominated, to forget that conceptions about sex and gender go into everything we make, whether it's an algorithm or, you know, um, a survey online or like crunching data about people or medicine or dating apps or whatever. Like all of our baggage goes into the tech that we make and is really visible. I mean, there's really weird things that happen, like with Apple's credit card. I don't know if you remember when this happened, but there was supposed to be this algorithm that determined who got approved yes. for the credit card and it was gender biased like it was very clearly illustrated to be gender biased so like it is worth thinking about the fact that you know like whether or not you're gonna cast an artificial intelligence in your movie is one thing but if you're gonna have a female theoretically female character created by a male team in, yeah, a specific kind of role or mm -hmm. any kind of role, really. Like, what are we saying about female robotics? Why? Like, because you're gendering it already. Like, I'm not the one who gave yeah. the gender you did. So, like, what are we saying about that? Like, what are we thinking about here? What are we what are we portraying with our choices? So, yeah, I think it's very tangly. It's very tangly. And, like, who knows? This could be very interesting and good and respectful, but it's it's hard not to see a problem when... Again, if the creating team was entirely male and you've created this quote-unquote female artificial intelligence, like, I feel like we have a problem from the jump. I, I don't do know. Too. And yeah, it's, it's really it's weird. weird. And I know, like, everybody gets excited about new technology and things, but I do hope everybody is considering, is taking the same yeah. considerations. into Because technology is not, you're right, it's absolutely, it's covered in baggage, so... Yep. Yeah. Well, on a exciting note, I'm yes. super excited about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a new podcast uh, that you will want to listen to. It is called Octavia's Parables, and it is launching from author Adrian Marie Brown and Toshi Reagan. They are going to do a deep dive into the two parable novels by Octavia Butler, Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents. And like, I'm sure you've all seen, I've definitely seen so many people talking about how prescient those books were and how they really do sort of uncomfortably predict things that have happened in the last five years. And yeah. it's just like, whew, it's a little uh, intense. And so, yeah, and so these two women... Are, first of all, I've read some of Adrienne Marie Brown's work. She's great. She is both a writer and an activist. And she co-edited the anthology Octavia's Brood. And then uh, Toshi Reagan actually is the creator of the Parable of the Sower opera, which is still one of my favorite things. Like, yes. to know that that exists makes me so happy. <laughs> It's so cool. So the two of them are going to go through the novels chapter by chapter each week until the November election. <laughs> Couldn't be better timing right there. <laughs> um, and it was launched on Monday the 22nd, June 22nd, which would have been 
Octavia Butler's 73rd birthday. So it is both, you know, politically timely and also a lovely commemoration of an amazing writer. And uh, yeah, you should definitely check it out. There will be a link in the show notes. They've got a Patreon account for the project, a dedicated Twitter feed. I can't wait to listen to the first episode, which is available. Give us all the Octavia Butler things all the time. Yes. <laughs> all the time. I'm all very time. excited about this, yeah. too. Oh, I guess it's worth saying, because I don't think I said it, that these are two uh, black creators launching this. And Octavia Butler was, in fact, a black author. So, yes, that's, that's, that's great. That's totally awesome. I love everything about yeah. this. And I'm going to love talking about our anticipated series after I tell you about our sponsor, which is the Harbinger series by Jennifer L. Armentrout, published by Inkyard Press. Half Angel Trinity and her bonded gargoyle protector Zane have been working with demons to stop the apocalypse while avoiding falling in love. The Harbinger is coming, but who or what is it? All of humankind may fall if Trinity and Zane can't win the race against time as dark forces gather. Don't miss Rage and Ruin, book two in the Fantastical Harbinger trilogy from the number one New York Times bestselling author Jennifer L. Armentrout. This sounds really exciting, especially for people who love a little bit of a love story in their fantasy. So if that sounds like your thing, you should definitely check out Rage and Ruin by Jennifer L. Armentrout. Thanks for sponsoring today's episode. All right, time to talk about anticipated series. And it mm -hmm. looks like I'm first. So uh, let's see, I'm going to start with my fantasy pick which is A Deadly Education. I was so excited about this. A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. And this is the first book in a new series by Novik. I don't know how many of you are as big super fans as I am, but I'm always on the lookout for new books by Naomi Novik. And I absolutely adored Uprooted. That's still one of my favorite fantasy reads of all time. And this one kind of sounds like it follows some similar themes, maybe. So there's a sorcerer and there's a magic school. And it is specifically for the world's magical elite. And this character, Elle Higgins, is talented in her own special way and her own special way is mass destruction so there's lots of potential for her to put for her to destroy entire cities and and people and her talent is considered a dark one that ends up alienating her from other people so she has a great personality and that sort of saves her in some situations, but she really wants to join this prestigious enclave. And in order to do that, she has to ingratiate herself with really powerful, privileged people, including one Orion Lake, who is a celebrity, famous, beloved, a magician of his generation. But then of course, she ends up learning something from Orion that completely changes her perspective on her world and the school. So this sounds 
really up my alley in so many ways. Like I love books about up and coming magical people learning new skills. And especially when it involves magical schools, I think I am definitely not alone in that interest. And also this has that sort of not your usual hero story like with the Bone Witch, which was a, a favorite of mine, I really love that story because of the women who had potentially villainous powers. And this sounds like it might have that sort of similar trope. And Uprooted also had this dynamic of a famous or infamous mentor character and the student who's learning about new things and also has a complete perspective shift, which I really loved. I love that dynamic. I don't know if it's going to play out the same way here as it did in Uprooted, but I do know that Naomi Novik is an all around great writer. I love, love all of the characters she creates. They are always fantastic and I always end up wanting to follow them to the ends of the earth and everybody screams about an Uprooted sequel, which I'm always trepidatious about, but it's because of that, because you want to keep following these characters. So I'm really excited about this book and I can't wait for it to come out again. That's A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. This is the first book in a series and it's out September 29th from Delray. I saw that announcement and I was very torn because I have like a love slash burnout relationship with magic school stories. Yeah, understandable. Especially because so many of them feel a little samey. Yes. And so I've been avoiding them for a while. <laughs> but I will say that if there's anybody who could get me to pick one up, it is Naomi Novik because I have really enjoyed so many of her books and she does like to do different interesting things. So, yeah, if if there is a magic school book I'm going to pick up, it, it might be that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally feel that fatigue about magical schools. But I don't know. Like, I can never resist one of her books. And obviously, like, also I read, like, the Wayward Children series and things like that. So right. it definitely takes a very unique perspective to make it work for me these days yeah yeah uh okay so my first fantasy pick is the fourth in a series that i think i've talked about here before but y'all need to get on this if you're not already and i have to tell you it is perfect like quote-unquote end times reading like we're in a real intense moment and if you have not yet started the heroine complex series by sarah coon you need to get on this. The fourth book is called Haunted Heroine. It has an amazing cover <laughs> with like ghosties and like pumpkins and all kinds of like Halloween -y oh goodness. goodness on it. This is a very enjoyable sort of like comedic paranormal series. There's usually a romantic pairing. Always a good time. And uh, it follows a group of friends who have different powers and and are living in San Francisco in a San Francisco which is like regularly subjected to demon invasion and like sometimes the demons like you have to battle them by doing karaoke <laughs> and sometimes they're demon cupcakes and like you just don't know what's gonna happen I didn't that. <laughs> it's so much 
fun. It's just so much fun. Um, and yeah, and so this is like a ragtag band of, you know, super powered individuals who have found family and various romances and have to kick demon butt on the regular like you do. And I just love that we're going to get like a haunting-y, ghosty, <laughs> and it actually is also... Uh, a, a magic school story. They have to. There are these hauntings going on at a women's college, and Evie and Aveda, who are two of the recurring major characters, are called in to investigate, and they have to go undercover as grad students. So so exciting! All of the fun setups. Yeah, totally fun, totally enjoyable. These books are just great. You should read all of them. There are also novellas in this series. I mean, I just like don't know how to tell you enough times that these books are fantastic and you should read them. So yeah, I'm super excited that we're going to get a fourth book. Again, uh, the fourth book is called Haunted Heroine. The whole series is called Heroine Complex and they are by Sarah Kuhn. I hope I can read it quickly enough to get to the uh, to the new one by Halloween. <laughs> Honestly, like, I know you're not a fast reader, but you, I think, will fly through these Okay, books. They are just, like, they're like candy. They're just, they go down so easy. They're such page turners. Oh, and I didn't even say. So this book comes out on July 7th, 2020, which oh. is actually very soon, comparatively speaking. But, like, you could totally save it for Halloween. I don't think there's any reason not to I think to that's do a that. great idea. And I'm going to do it because I really yeah. need some some candy-coated books for my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, my next pick is a bit of a cheat because I have not read the first book, but I have had it on my TBR for a long time. This is The Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winter, and it's the second book in the series. Uh, the series is called The Burning, and it's out November 10th. So... Again, I have not read the first book, but I have been wanting to. It's just one of those books, for instance, that is comped with Game of Thrones. And I always think of, it's just epic fantasy. That's really all it is. So getting into <laughs> epic fantasy, I'm always like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll put that on my list for later when I have time and the bandwidth. And then I never seem mm. to have the bandwidth. And I'm like, let me see what novella is on my nightstand, <laughs> as you might tell from my recommendations. But this sounds so good. I just have to do it. And I think that the solve for it is to to listen to the audiobook because that always helps me. So this is a big epic fantasy, as I said, and it's inspired by... Kosha culture, Kosa culture of South Africa. So non-Western fantasy, I know lots of you are looking for that always. I am too. So this is, the actual comp is Game of Thrones meets Gladiator. I never know what to do with comps, but... That's Whatever. really, yeah, I've read the first book, and it is great. I think that's a weird comp It's so, like, they always try to shoehorn it into something, but yeah. it sounds really amazing. This was the a debut book, the first book, uh, by Evan Winters, and it was kind of, it was fascinating. It was one of the first books I heard of that was self-published, 
and did so successfully it was picked up by a publisher and then became like a really buzzy book that everybody was talking about and part of me is like because they made this game of thrones comp where people just like oh my goodness i need a palate cleanser for game of thrones because of that terrible thing we call the last season <laughs> and mm. like looking for epic <laughs> fantasy that would do that so the story in the first book i'm not going to tell you much about the second one because obviously it's it, it follows and spoils some things but the first book is about this heroic character and the omehi people who are fighting this unwinnable fight this war and their entire society is built around this big battle. And then there are some people who are considered lucky, who are born gifted. And there are a few, I guess there's one in every 2000 women who has the power to call down dragons. I love a story with dragons, so that's very exciting. And then there's also one in every 100 men who's able to magically transform into a bigger, stronger, faster killing machine. So... There's lots of, there's lots of suffering, lots of being sacrificed to this war just by dint of being in this world. And then there's a character, Tao, who has a plan to escape all of it. And so that book follows Tao. And then the next one also has a, and I don't think this is spoiling anything, but it has a sort of vengeance story and also an ousted queen. And I'm all the yeses on that. And it makes me extra excited to finally pick up the first book. So if you're also looking for a doorstopper and a big epic fantasy read to get immersed in, you should definitely check out The Fires of Vengeance. And if you haven't read the first book, that's The Rage of Dragons. In the Burning series by Evan Winter, and that is out November 10th from Orbit. I bet the audio on that is real good, actually. I'm thinking about the book, and it is a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of battle sequences, but it's all very rooted in these personal moments and, like, personal perspectives, mm. so I feel like it would be, yeah, I feel like it would be a good audio. Narrated by Prentice Oniyemi. I do not know who that is, but oh. I'm willing to give it a try. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so my next fantasy pick is also sort of an epic fantasy situation. It's pretty dark, I'm going to warn you. It's the second book in the Islands of Blood and Storm series by Case and Calendar. The, you know, series title should take yeah. you <laughs> off a little bit. Uh, and this is book two, King of the Rising is book two. Um, the first book was called Queen of the Conquered, and that follows a young woman who is born into... So this is... Let me backtrack here. This is a Caribbean-inspired fantasy world, and it is an own voices story. Case and Calendar is of Caribbean descent, Afro-Caribbean descent, and the uh, it's interesting because I believe it was Denmark who colonized um, parts yeah. of the Caribbean, and that's the part of the Caribbean that this is based on. And so, in this series, you have these like you know very pale sort of European 
overlord colonizers. And then you have the original inhabitants of the island who have been enslaved and massacred and abused. And Sigourney, the main character of the first book, Queen of the Conquered, is the daughter of a native islander who managed to like claim power and rise to prominence. And Sigourney wants to continue that consolidation of power because she believes she can help the people who she is one of but is removed from by this power situation. But she owns slaves and is complicit in a lot of the continuing situations in the islands for a lot of reasons. And she struggles with that complicity. She also has a very intense magical power. And she decides to go to this you know, conclave of all of the ruling families because the successor to the, you know, king, I think it is, yeah, the king, uh, they're going to pick a successor to the king from among these ruling families. And she really believes that she can, like, rest power for herself and then she will try to make things better. But she does all kinds of terrible <laughs> things along the way in the name of getting to this eventual seat of power. And it is real complicated and morally tangled and really intense and a deep dive into like, yeah, how do you cope with being a person who has power and seeing others like you who don't and like how what choices do you make in order to try to fix this and like how good are those choices? Open mm -hmm. to question. Uh, and so the first book follows her. And then the second book follows another former slave, Lauren. Um, and I won't tell you, because spoilers, anything about uh, Lauren. But I am so excited for the POV shift because he's a really interesting character in the first book. And I'm dying to see the events of the first book through another lens to see, like, what, like, more of this, you know, more three dimensions of this really complex, tangly, and fascinating, magically uh, world. It's a really interestingly imagined world. It's, it is very dark and very bloody and, you know, trigger warnings for all of the things that come with enslaved populations, all of the abuses. Uh, but it it's a really fascinating story. You will get so sucked in with the characters and like all topsy-turvy on, yeah, what are the right things to do in these really complicated situations? And I am so excited for the next book in the series. Uh, again, that's King of the Rising by Kaysen Callender. The book comes out on December 1st, so not out for a while, also from Orbit. And it is the Islands of Blood and Storm series. Exciting. My mm -hmm. science fiction pick is Prime Deceptions by Valerie Valdez. This is book number two in the Chilling Effect series. And Chilling Effect was the first book, which I believe both of us have talked about on this show before. It's so, it's good. so good. I love it. It makes me smile whenever I think about that story because it is this very funny very offbeat sort of story and again this was another debut always really impressive when you read these amazing stories from debut authors and this one is is definitely a fantastic adventurous joyride of a space opera and so in the first book we meet Captain Eva Innocente and 
the crew of La Sirena Negra who are cruising the galaxy. They are kind of an offbeat band of, again, another ragtag group of space cadets. And in the first book, Eva's sister is kidnapped by this syndicate called The Fridge, who basically strong arm Eva into working for them in order to save her sister. And even though she worked so hard to build the trust and build this sort of found family in her crew, she has to do all sorts of things that aren't too great to make sure her missions are accomplished and to make sure she does whatever she can to save her sister, including lying to the crew the whole way. So as a result, as you might imagine, all sorts of misadventures happen as a result of Eva both trying to keep this whole situation, which is a huge situation, a secret, as well as actually going on these missions for the fridge and doing these sort of shady dealings that she doesn't fully understand. So the first book was just absolute fun and I tore through it. It's really fast paced and action packed, lots of space misadventures. They are really great characters and throughout the book there's this sort of irreverent humor that references a lot of current conversations as well as, as pop culture. There's also a side of romance which is excellent and this is from a Cuban-American author and there are some sayings in it and some slang and colloquialisms that I just found absolutely delightful. And I just love stories where mistakes are made left and right and characters just do make the worst decisions, but also have a good heart. <laughs> and this yep. is definitely one of those books. So in the second book, just very briefly, it's just another one of these adventures. And this time she has to find a missing scientist. So I expect a lot of the same sort of fun and madcap adventuring as I got from Chilling Effect and I'm really excited to read it. So again the second book is Prime Deceptions. This is by Valerie Valdez and it's out September 8th from Harper Voyager. I am so excited about We're that We're all going to be raving about it. So many rioters yeah. have read that. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's such a good series. Such a fun series. All right, this is where my cheating starts, <laughs> in case you were wondering. So I was looking through the catalogs, and I was like, where are all my sci-fi series? Oh, I have one, and Sharifa already picked the book from Oh, no! <laughs> which is Prime Deceptions, which is I'm fine. So it's fine. Um, and instead, I had, like, four more fantasy series. Like, all of my series this year... Our fantasy oh. for whatever weird reason. I don't know what happened there. I don't know how it happened, but it did. So I do have one science fiction book, but I'm going to save it to talk about in the next uh, section or my next turn. And instead, I'm going to cheat a little bit here and do two shout outs to additional books in fantasy series that I am super excited about. The first one is Harrow the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. <laughs> I know I am not the only one who is super jazzed about The Locked Tomb number two. Uh, follow up to Gideon the Ninth. And I don't hate me, y'all. I have read it. 
It is amazing. It is possibly... I No, I can't say that. I was just going to say I almost like it even better than the first one, but that's not true. I love it just as much as the first one in a very different way because it is a very different kind mm. of narrative. And it is like a, this like puzzle box, mind-bending, optical illusion, what is going on kind of sequel that you are just gonna be constant like I had a friend who was reading it around the same time we both got galleys and we were just constantly texting each other like question mark question mark question mark exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark (laughs) there were several moments where I was screaming about various revelations I mean it is wild it is a wild ride so again that's Harrow the Ninth by Tamsin Muir comes out August 4th if you haven't read Gideon the Ninth already treat yourself get ready for book two And then the second book I want to shout out is The Burning God, which is the third book in the Poppy War series by R.F. Kuang, which I know I have talked about a bunch on this show. I love this series so much. It is an anti-heroine story. It is inspired by Chinese history, both like old school and new school history. And it is about this character, Rin, who has this amazing power and like, how is she going to use it? Is she going to use it for good or is she going to use it for evil? And she makes, talk about your bad choices, (laughs) like talk about your difficult, morally complicated, like, wow, bad choice, bad choices. And when I finished the first book, I thought to myself, how on earth are you going to redeem this character for me in book two? Like this character has done something basically unforgivable. And like, how am I ever gonna read another book and like feel invested in this character lo and behold rf kwang pulls it off book two is like i didn't think it could get any darker and deeper but it does (laughs) and it's just like all of these i don't know what's going on with me in series is about the horrors of war but this is just what's happening apparently in my life fascinating and this one is is like unmissable if that is a thing that you also are doing. And so, like, I really didn't think the second book could do what it did. I have no idea what to expect from this third one, but I'm here for whatever it is. Uh, and again, that's The Burning God by R.F. Kuang. It is the sequel to The Poppy War. It comes out November 17th from Harper. I don't think we lost anything by you cheating. I think we gained two <laughs> books to put on our TBR. <laughs> Well, few. <laughs> uh, well, my last pick is actually new to me authors, and I chose Seven Devils. This is by Laura Lamb and Elizabeth May. Have no idea about anything other than what I've read about this book, and it sounded really good, so I chose it. So this is the first book in a feminist space opera duology, which already lights up my board. And it sounds like there's a whole group of characters. There are seven individuals who are trying to free the galaxy from a ruthless empire. Does this sound at all familiar? Because I feel like Star Wars stands, especially Princess Leia stands, are going to be looking into this one. Because mm. it it set around this heir to a ruthless empire, slightly different. So there's an heir to a ruthless empire named Eris, and 
she fakes her death to get out of her inheritance. And then she gets recruited by the resistance group that is opposed to the Empire and ends up right back in the fray of this whole galactic scene. And so she's on this mission to infiltrate a spaceship that has some deadly cargo and bring back some information to the resistance. But then her partner, who is this sort of hotshot pilot, has this old grudge against Eris, and it makes the mission really difficult. So then they find the ship and they find three fugitives with some knowledge about the Empire's inner workings. And so there's this whole group of women that have the insights and the ability to bring the Empire down, which definitely if you are a fan of Star Wars, but you wanted a more feminist telling of it and you wanted more women characters, then this sounds like it'd be right up your alley. And I always... I'm finding that I really love a space opera, as might be mm -hmm. obvious from some of my picks before. <laughs> so I really got excited about this entire idea. So if you're looking for those books as well, check out Seven Devils. Again, this is by Laura Lamb and Elizabeth May. It's the first book in the series. It's out August 4th from DA. Is it DAW or DAW? In my head, I say DAW. I think it's okay. DAW. But it's like, all crap, so I never know. You get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my last pick is sort of sort of sci-fi, sort of fantasy, sort of horror. And it's actually something I never read before, but it is from Jeff Vandermeer, who I have read a decent number of books by. They're always really weird. They're always really fascinating. And this is actually a sort of reprint situation they're putting together all of the ambergris series novellas and books into one volume that is gonna be out on december 1st uh, for mcd and this is like i think this was you know early on in vandermeer's career and it was one of the things yeah 2001 i think were the original publications and i think it was one of the things that really put him on the map of this new weird subgenre. you know that also has like China Mieville and Lauren Bucus in it and they're just doing these things that are truly so weird <laughs> just so weird um and and so this is a collection of all of the Ambergris books like I said and Ambergris is a city that like mashes up apparently all of these different like other cities and times and historical things. And there's also weird fungus, which like if you've read Jeff Vandermeer, you know, is one of his things <laughs> and, you know, elements of horror. And there's a patient in a mental institution who's like maybe from Chicago. Like what's going on? Who knows? Who knows? Whoever knows what's going on in Jeff Vandermeer's stories? Not me, but I do enjoy reading them. And if you are looking for a, you know, completist collection situation, you can get all of the Ambergris books now in one volume. So again, that's Ambergris by Jeff Vandermeer. Comes out December 1st. Weirdest of the weirds. So weird. <laughs> so just so weird. Well, that's it for our anticipated series. And who knows when we'll get to reading them, but I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> Thank you all again for listening. You can email us as usual at sffyeah 
at bookriot.com. Please do review us on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance. It helps people find us, and we love hearing from you. You can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? Mostly these days on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. That's spelled I A M J E N N I R L. And you can find me on Instagram as well at S Zina Williams. That's S Z A I N A B Williams. Until next time, happy reading. <laughs>